Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I'm going to try to explain one of the more complicated things about Bible prophecy. Today I'm going to do my best to explain this secret door. Now, before I get into it, let me explain why it seems to be so difficult for the Western American Gentile Christian to understand. There's two reasons. One is because they don't know the feasts. Us Western Gentile Christians typically don't live them. Typically, we don't study them. And in my opinion, based upon my experience, unless you live them, you don't really understand them. The feasts, in my opinion, cannot be thoroughly understood by simply reading and studying or even being taught them. You have to live them, which is why that the Jews would understand this a whole lot more than us Western Gentile Christians. So I'm a little bit handicapped trying to explain to you something if you don't understand the feasts. So I'm going to briefly explain the feast very, very briefly, and that's going to be the weak part. If you don't understand it, you got to go back and study those feasts. The second thing is, when I got the secret door, it came by revelation. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So I play racquetball, and I saw this one guy that had this amazing shot out of the back corner. He would go up with his racket and kerwhack, and I mean, it would die in the front corner every time. I thought, that's amazing. So, so I went to the guy and I said, you got to show me that shot. What do you charge for, for lessons? He said, 40 bucks. I said, man, it'll be worth it. So we set up a time. I paid him the $40. I said, okay, you got to show me that shot. He said, okay, watch. Kerr whack died in the corner. Okay, show me the shot. He said, okay, here, watch it again. Kerr whack died in the corner. <laughs> How do you do that? He said, here, watch. Kerr whack died in the corner. I said, okay, but you got to teach me. He said, well, watch. So we go, yeah, here, Kerwack died in the corner. <laughs> I said, but, but how did you learn that? Then it dawned on me. He didn't learn it. It came by revelation because God reigns on the just and on the unjust. And a lot of times we learn to do things, and that includes sports, by the revelations of God. He got that move by the revelations of God, and it's a gift to him. And I could watch it until I'm blue in the face, but if he didn't ever learn how to do it, he can't teach me to do it. Either I get it by revelation or I don't get it by revelation. So what I'm trying to do here today is show you something by revelation that is very difficult to understand unless you get it by revelation. But I'm going to try to teach you through it because it is very, very important. Okay, so let's go back here first to what we're talking about. We're talking about the secret door. Now, let me go on to the next page. I'm going to show you the secret door actually in the scriptures. If you look at the left side, you see it's Leviticus 23.10. We're going to start there. And if you'll see the word first fruits is circled in black. By the way, if you're listening to this, it would be very, very helpful if you could somehow watch the video version. So we're putting it up with video and with audio. But in this case, you really want to watch the video version. Anyway, on the left side, you see Leviticus 23.10, and you see the word first fruits circled in black. On the right side, you see Revelation 14.1, and then down in verse 4, you see the same word first fruits circled in black. That is the secret door. Let me say it again. That is the secret door. But for you to connect that up, you've got to understand what's going on. Now, I got that in faster than a blink in an eye. I was literally in a sentence, 
And all of a sudden, I saw on the left side, I saw the book of Torah, five, first five books of the Bible written by Moses. On the right side, about this far away, I saw the book of Revelation. And then like a yellow time tunnel about the size of a stick of margarine, about the same color between the two books. And in that moment of time, or little, no time, all of a sudden, I could see that the word first fruits is the secret door that links the feasts of Leviticus 23 to the feast, or excuse me, to the revelations, or to the prophecies in Revelation. So let me say it again. It links Leviticus 23.10, the feasts, to the prophecies of Revelation 14.4. And that secret door does something amazing. And I'm about to show you that amazing thing. Now, I, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, but it'll take a while probably for you to understand it because you didn't get it by Revelation. So the secret door... Bottom left, right down here, is the word first fruits in the yellow. That is the secret door. Now, let me go back to the scriptures. We're talking about first fruits, Leviticus 23.10, and that's also talking about the same event, first fruits, in Revelation 14.4. How is it linked? What this does is show us a starting point. It's kind of like the mom that says to the child, Mommy, Mommy, I'll keep running in circles. Shut up or I'll nail the other foot down. Okay, so it, it gives us a starting point in prophecy. And once we have that nailed down, then the other prophecies after that can come in correct chronological order. Because, see, Revelation's all jumbled up. It's like scrambled eggs. <laughs> it's every place. It's not in correct chronological order. But by knowing that secret door, by knowing first fruits in here, let me show you again. Knowing first fruits in Leviticus 23.10 is also the same first fruits in Revelation 14.4. What it does is it tells us this in the yellow here is the same first fruits. Now, I got to briefly explain the feasts for you to understand how important that is. So let me go through, first of all, now the top half of this chart, I'm going to leave there. But I want you to ignore it for right now. That's going to get confusing. But the simple part is the bottom part is the feasts. The top half is the prophecies tied to the feasts. Now, we're only going to talk Moses here for the first time through. And I'll go through briefly. And I want you to ignore Jesus' birth and stuff like that, because you'll see that. But right now, I just want to talk about the basic feasts. Bottom left corner bottom left corner is Passover. Passover was the night that the death angel passed over. The Moses told the children of Israel to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and on the lentils, and the angel passed over, and anyone that wasn't inside a house that was covered by the blood died. That was the Passover. A little after midnight, the Pharaoh called Moses in and said, get you up and get out of here. If I see your face again, you're a dead man. So Moses sent all the people out to gather gold, silver, and raiment, great abundance, and they spoiled the Egyptians. That night was the start of unleavened bread. Why? Because they didn't have time to let their bread leaven. So they just threw the kneading cross on their shoulders and they left literally in the middle of the night. They left, and they walked for about three days. That's unleavened bread. That's a sign of getting the sin out. Why? Because you're going to need that cleanliness to walk through the Red Sea. 
Then they arrived at the Red Sea on first fruits. They actually went through the Red Sea in the morning. So first fruits was a picture of them leaving the old sinful Egypt, going through, passing through the water, passing from death into life into the promised land. Then later that year is when they begin to celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost happens in the third month, and that's when God says, he spoke audibly to all of the children of Israel, and he said, I will be your God if you will be my people. And they said yes and amen, and that was the first marriage. That's Pentecost. Now let's move. Five months later is trumpets. This is pretty much has nothing to do with the Jews. All they did on the Feast of Trumpets is just blow trumpets. But to the Gentiles, that's the big day. That's the day that Jesus returns, but we'll get back to that in a second. Then 10 days later is atonement. This is when they're told to get all of the sin out of, of their life, and they're supposed to like uh, self-sacrifice to make certain they're very, very clean because that's going to be their judgment day. That's the great white throne. Then five days later, then to remember their 40 years in the wilderness, they're told to go out and make le these lean-tos, just sticks and bushes, and they're to live in the, the wilderness. And this is to help them to remember that they, they lived in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, that's from the Jewish point of view. Now let's go back and tie Jesus into it, and then we're going to tie the prophecies into it. Okay, so Jesus was our Passover lamb. He fulfilled the first three feasts. Now, a lot of people think he's going to return on, uh, let me get it right. Some people think he's going to return at Passover. Some people think he's going to return, uh, well, various ways. Let me skip that point. So Jesus uh, was our Passover, and he died. Uh, they put him on the cross about 3 o'clock. He died around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then before sunset, he had to be down off of the cross and in the grave. Why? Because the way they kept it, according to Leviticus 23, they were told that unleavened bread began at sundown. Again, originally it was about midnight, but nevertheless. And the unleavened bread, then Jesus was three days in the heart of the earth. He was the unleavened bread of life because he was without sin. Then the first, actually it was after sunset on the third day, which was before Sunday. He then sometime after sunset, he arose out of the grave. Now they didn't discover him missing until the next morning, but nevertheless sometime after sunset on the third day, he arose and he were the, the, the first fruits of them that slept. That's different than the next one, which we'll get in a second. Then some... Fifty days later is Pentecost. He didn't fulfill Pentecost. And then four months later is trumpets. He didn't fulfill trumpets yet. And then five, ten days later is atonement. That's unfulfilled. And then tabernacles. Now, that was the year that Jesus died. Now let's jump to the last days. I cannot tell you how many times that I made a mistake. And I used to say, oh, well, Jesus is only going to return one more time. And that's wrong. <laughs> I used to say he's going to return to the Mount of Olives. His feet are going to set down on Mount of Olives. They're going to split two, north, south, east, west. Water's going to come out. It's all wrong. Why? Because Revelation, here it is. Let's look at it now. So let's go first of all, Revelation 14, 1. I looked on a lower lamb stood upon the Mount Sion. If you go to Zechariah 14, I believe it is, he sets his foot down on the Mount of Olives. 
Well, the Mount of Olives is not the same as the Mount Zion. It's actually about a 30-minute walk away. It's not the same mountain. So that means he's not coming to the same mountain twice. One, it clearly says, I looked and lo, I saw a lamb upon Mount Zion. Zion, that's 30-minute walk from the Mount of Olives. And with him were the 144,000, having his father's name written on the foreheads. Who are the 144,000? I heard a voice from heaven as a voice of many waters, as a voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sang as it was a new song before the throne, before the four beasts and the elders. And no man can learn that song but the 144,000, here it is, which were redeemed from the earth. So that tells you part of the hint to who the 144,000 is. These are humans that were redeemed from the earth. In other words, they were resurrected from the earth. That's what it says, redeemed from the earth, resurrected from the earth. The other qualifications are, these are they that are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Okay. And these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These, here it is, this is the first fruits. These are, with these were redeemed from among men, being the fruits for, first fruits unto God. So those 144,000, that is the fulfillment of the first fruits. Let's go back and look at it here. That's the fulfillment of the first fruits right here, 144,000. Meaning, Jesus returns two more times. The next time he returns, he returns to the Mount Zion, resurrects 144,000 Jewish, and I'll explain that in just a second. Let's go on. Let's go verse 4 again. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. Now, this is a big key. And in their mouth is found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now, wait a minute. How do you find 144 anybody's on the earth that fits those kind of qualifications? Someone, so they, they were redeemed from the earth. That means they were resurrected. So it had to be somebody human that was dead and in the earth. First qualification. Got to be dead. Also, they have to be Jewish because this has to do with the first fruits. If you look over here in Leviticus 23.10, it's talking about the first fruits harvest. The very first grain to ripen each year, not the wheat, not figs, not grapes. It is barley. Barley is a symbol of Jews. So that tells us they have to be dead. They have to be Jews. Next thing it says, and these were redeemed from among, among earth. And these were not defiled with women for their virgins. Okay, that's the first requirement. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Doesn't tell what he does. They just follow him. That's the fourth requirement. Now, here's the interesting part. Verse 5. And in their mouth was found no guile. In other words, nothing filthy. No kind of sin has come out of their mouth. Then the sixth most difficult requirement is... For they are without fault before the throne of God. So how do you get 144,000 anybody's that meets that qualification? They have no guile in their mouth, and they're without fault before the throne of God. The answer is found back over in Leviticus 23.10. Speak unto the children of Israel. Now, this is the commandment for them to take the barley harvest and to offer a portion of it as a sacrifice before God. And say to them, when you come into the lamb, which I'll give you, and you shall reap the harvest. That means the first harvest, the barley harvest. 
You shall bring a sheaf. What's a sheaf? Well, it's a handful if it's grain. If it's uh, like hadn't turned to grain yet, it's a handful like this. Okay, it's just a handful. It's just a small portion. It's a representative of a major portion. These you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow. After the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Now, here comes the answer. You shall offer that day, when you wave the sheaf, a he lamb. Okay. How's that fit to the 144,000? That's telling us one of the requirements to be one of those 144,000 is you have to be a he. You have to be male. He lamb without blemish. Okay, how do you choose a lamb without blemish? Well, that's not so hard, especially when they're in the first year. But how do you find 144,000 humans that are without blemish, without fault before the throne of God, have no guile in their mouth, they haven't been defiled with women? How do you find them? The answer is in the next words. The sheaf of the lamb without blemish of the first year. Meaning, these 144,000 are the final weed, the, the final barley harvest of them that slept. Now, Jesus was the first fruits, excuse me, Jesus was the first fruits of them that slept, whereas the 144,000 is the first fruits of the harvest. They are the first ones to get the glorified body. Since Jesus, yes, I know, Jesus and about 500 people came out of the grave some 2,000 years ago. But that was the first fruits of them that slept. This is what the Bible calls the first fruits of the harvest. In other words, the first fruits of the last day's harvest, the last day's harvest of souls. So when it says, of the first year, it's telling us they're all within the first year. In other words, like probably, remember uh, uh, David and uh, Bathsheba, had a little affair, and they had a baby that died at seven years old, excuse me, seven days old. Probably that will be one of the 144,000 because he didn't reach one year old. He was Jewish. He was without fault. Before the throne of God, he had no guile in his mouth. They never learned to talk, okay? So that tells us who the 144,000 is. Now, that's key because that tells us the secret door. Now, with that understanding... Now let's go back to the chart. Let me show you what that means. That means that when we understand the first fruits are the 144,000, meaning at some future first fruits, when Jesus returns, and he, by the way, he'll still be in a lamb body. He's not been to the, well, here, let me get to that. He, ret he returns at some future first fruits with 144,000. And he walks all over because they follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Now, I don't know where you walk, but the the Mount Zion's a fairly small mount. To get 144,000 on there, you're already going to be pretty crowded. My guess is they walk all over Jerusalem and maybe all over Israel because they do so for exactly 50 days. 50 days later is Pentecost. That's the wheat harvest. That's us. These are the people... What are these red and white robes? Whence came they? Sir, thou knowest. He says, these are they which came out of great tribulation. That's us. Who washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they before the throne of God and served him day and night in his temple. That's us. We got there by the blood of the Lamb. 
The 144,000 got there because they were not defiled with women. They had no guile in their mouth. They're without fault before the throne of God because they died in their first year. And Jesus chose them to be. Now, 50 years later, or excuse me, 50 days later, that's us. Those that are ready, not everybody, those that are ready get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's on a Pentecost. How do you know it's Pentecost? Because if you go back into, I want to say Exodus, uh, I want to say Exodus 19. But anyway, it says in the third month, well, of all of the seven feasts, there's only one feast that takes place in the third month. That would be Pentecost. So there's no question the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place on the last Pentecost. You got that? So Jesus returns the next time on the last first fruits with 144,000, walks around 50 days later, those who are ready, that's the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, then go up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's not about the bride like we do here on earth. Nope, not about the bride. It's about the, the, the groom. And the bride, that's us, we only get a white robe. And four months later, we get to ride back with him on white horses. Instead, Jesus receives many crowns. He is given a vesture dipped in his own blood, and he is then changed from being the Lamb of God to the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Changed from being the prince of the kings of the earth to become the king of kings and lord of lords. That's at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Four months later, about, on the final seventh trumpet, which is the grape harvest, which is also Armageddon, on the final trumpets, that's when the trumpet sounds, the seventh trumpet. Then Jesus returns and time is split. That's the heaven rolls back like a scroll. Time, which is eternity, which is darkness, comes in. Heaven rolls back like a scroll. That's when he throws the morning star down. He burns up all of the tares as the morning star hits us. Our belly flows rivers of living water. We get our light body just like that. We get all of our crowns, our mantles, our rewards, our garments, everything. From that moment on, we never hunger again, thirst again, die again, <laughs> ever. It's From that moment on, for us, it's eternity. That's trumpets. Now, I'm going to skip about the nations. Too complicated right now. Then 10 days later is atonement. 10 days later is great white throne. Because, see, Jesus returns on trumpets the second time. That's the, the judgment seat of Christ. I'll say it again. Jesus returns on trumpets. That's the judgment seat of Christ. 10 days later, only the dead show up at the great white throne. No one alive, because it says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. They're judged by books of works, whereas we are judged by the blood of the Lamb. And let them be unjust still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. That happens on trumpets for half of it, and complicated to explain. And then the other, happen, happen, the other part happens on atonement. Then... Five days later is tabernacles. I saw the new heaven and new earth, but the first heaven of the first earth passed away and there was no more sea. Every high place falls, every valley fills in the earth. When Jesus arrives to shake the earth terribly, all in a, in a day. So let me summarize this. So Jesus returns two more times. The next time he returns, he does not return to the Mount of Olives. He returns to the Mount Zion with 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. Fifty days later, those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb, those who are ready, 
get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Not everybody gets to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those who are ready. And then that's the reason uh, Revelation 14 or 13, if you look at the blue arrow, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. In other words, some people, either dead or alive, that are Christians, but they're not ready to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, they are still given all of their rewards four months later. But they don't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then those that are ready get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So who is the bride of Christ? Well, obviously, you can't be part of the bride of Christ unless you get to go to the wedding. Does that make sense? If you didn't attend the wedding, you're not part of the bride, right? Okay, bride has to go to the wedding. So these people that think, oh, well, if you ever accept Jesus, then you're bride of Christ. Wrong. If you don't go to the wedding, you got to be ready. Go to the wedding. Then you see Jesus crowned King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And then four months later, we are given a white horse. We return on trumpets with him. That's when he destroys the tares. And at that time, he begins destroying the old heaven and the old earth. Ten days it takes to destroy the old heaven and the old earth. Then he makes a new heaven and a new earth. And the, the dead are judged on atonement. Five days later, the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven and it sets down on one mountain. Because when Jesus arises to shake the earth terribly, that's when every high place falls, every low place fills in. The, there's no more sea. The earth is a nice, round, smooth ball, except it has one mountain on it, the mountain of God. And then coming down from heaven is the new Jerusalem made of solid gold. I say solid gold because there's no windows or doors to it. So how we move around in there, that's, we'll, we'll get to find out. But here's the point. The secret door is first fruits. When we know that first fruits is Leviticus 23.12 tied with Revelation 14.4. Let me back up and show you that. Let's go back to the scripture here. When we know this first fruits links with this first fruits, then we know this is the first fruits. And so all of the rest of the, the, the prophecies can come down and correct chronological order. Now, that's covered really, really fast. And if your eyeballs are crossing, you're not alone, which is why God told me to write a book. As a matter of fact, in that blink of an eye, when he showed me that book of Revelation, showed me the secret door, I also got that he basically said, Stan, not everything can be gleaned from audio and video. Sometimes people have to have it in print. That's why he had me write it in a book. So what happened, in case you missed this, back in 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. And in the process, he gave me 30 revelations, two visions, and one audible voice, which I wrote into the book called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. It's available at prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20, five for 30, and uh, five for 35, and 10 for 60, I think it is. Anyway, go to prophecyclub.com. they got a great deal where you can get like all 40 books for 100 bucks or something like that. But anyway, hope you understand the secret door is probably the biggest revelation since John got the book of Revelation. Uh, out of the 20,000 books and all of the emails I've got about it, no one has emailed me and said, oh, I already knew all this. As far as I've been able to determine, the information in this book is all new information. You'll love it. Prophecyclub.com. Prophecyclub.com.
Okay, let me take a minute and explain to you about the book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Back in 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. I got 30, uh, 30 revelations, two visions, and an audible voice. And essentially, I was shown that the word firstfruits we talked about is linking to firstfruits in Revelation. So it ties the feast to the prophecies of Revelation. For the first time, Revelation can be put in correct chronological order. You can understand Revelation. Now, this is one of the back flaps, which we've been talking about, and then this is the other one, so you can lay out and understand Revelation for the first time. Across the top is the seven seals. Across the middle is the seven trumpets. Across the bottom is the seven vials. That's what the audible voice told me. The seven seals play over seven years. The seven trumpets play over seven months. The seven vials play over seven days. Huge. Very important. So, understand Bible prophecy fulfilled this. A prophetic word said, There's a lock I put over a word in the book of Revelation, first fruits, that I'm going to open unto you, and it will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. One for 20, five for 35, 10 for 60 at prophecyclub.com. But I have a better deal for you. And this is probably the best offer we've ever offered at Prophecy Club. So I've written five books, four of the which I've written, one the one God's Warnings to America I organized. And uh, essentially, how pre-trib one is a shrink wrap set of 10. Each one, well, nor, one normally one is $20. And then Tribulation Secrets in Daniel is also shrink-wrapped in 10, as is Miss the Mark, shrink-wrapped 10. God's Warnings to America, shrink-wrapped sets of 5. Understand Bible Prophecy, shrink-wrapped sets of 5. We're going to give you one of each one of those sets, totaling 40 books. <laughs> I don't know what it would normally be valued at, but well, we're 100, well, I guess around $100, but we're making all 40, four of them available for you today for a gift of $100. So probably $250 valued at, and you can get all 40, 40 of those books. You can get five sets of each one of those books for a gift of $40 at prophecyclub.com. One book of each would normally be $60, but one set of all of the books, normally valued at 100 available today for a gift of just $40 at prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com. <laughs> 